Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with us here today. I appreciate you so much. So glad to be able to be here with you today as we look again at being a thriving entrepreneur. For those of you that don't know me, I am Steve Kidd. I am a third generation minister, an international best-selling author, but what I really love doing is helping you find clarity, helping you see the things that seemed impossible and turn them into amazing opportunities. And I'm so grateful for you to be here today. Today is your breakthrough. I've got uh, three really amazing people here with us uh, that are best-selling authors. They have things that they're really getting done here in the world. And they want to share with you what they know. Ooh, that's so powerful. What do you know? You see, the difference in the world, and this is really deep and yet so simple at the same time, the difference in the world is simply when each of us takes that thing that we know and shares it with the world. Just that simply. Just take what you know and share it. I know, often we all discount what we know. We take a look at that thing that we're uh, a loudmouth about, right? I always tell people, you know, the number one clue to discovering what your passion is, is that thing that you say so often that when you say it, your kids roll their eyes, right? Um, you know, that your best friend has heard you say it so many times, they can repeat after you with it. Um, and I remember we had a minister one time way back um, at a church that I was going to, and um, he had certain things that he would say that after the couple of years that I was there, there were several of us, we could, we could quote it right along with him. And, um, and I know for a while it kind of frustrated him because he wanted uh, the new people to be able to hear it fresh as though he had just come up with it that minute. Um, but later he began to really discover that that was really a point of connection between us that was making us more of a family because we knew each other well enough that we knew how that phrase was going to flow out of each other's mouths. And that's really what I'm talking about when I talk about your passion and about sharing it out into the world is you're already doing it. It's already come popping out of your mouth all the time. Now we just need to all of us learn to be intentional 
about it, to share it as widely, boldly, and broadly as we can so that we can make a difference in the world. If you have things that you've learned that can help people be successful financially, oh gosh, people need that. If you have insight into helping uh, young men, especially young men of color, but all young men, you know, helping them have strong, powerful self-esteem to know how strong and powerful their roots are. If you have something, you already know it, or you go out and you research and you learn it, and then you're talking about it all the time, and you share that with the world, things like that make such an enormous difference in the lives of the people that you come in contact with, but they'll also make a difference in the lives of people that you'll never actually ever meet. But you've gotta share it. The world becomes a better place when each of us takes on and shares that thing that we know to be true. To give it away freely to the world is the highest best way that I know of that we can live as a thriving entrepreneur. We've got some exciting guests for you today. I'm looking forward to jumping into the show and spending some time sharing them with you today as we all make the next step, just the needle point shift towards each of us becoming a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. All right, let's jump right into it. Let's get down to some great best-selling authors and learn from them that thing that they know, that thing that they're now sharing out into the world. Celebrate with them that they're bestsellers, but also learn from them the secrets that they've learned. Wouldn't you like some strategies to stash that cash? Wouldn't you love to have a way to be able to have more money? I mean, all of us can say yes, but there are some strategies to it. Money doesn't grow on trees in spite of the fact that we wish it did. So to help us with that today, I'm delighted to be joined with international best-selling author Chris Kowaja. 
He is here to talk to us about his book, Stash That Cash. Hey, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm awesome, Steve. Thanks for everything you're doing, and I'm happy to be on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So give us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about who you are to begin with. Wonderful. So I grew up in Canada to the son. I was the son of two immigrants from the West Indies, and I was a pretty good student. And they have five years of high school in Canada. In my fourth year, I decided to just apply to U.S. colleges. And I said, if I get into one, maybe I'll go. In February of that year, I left freezing cold Toronto, Canada, ended up in Northern California where people were in swimsuits and I was sold. So I ended up going to Stanford uh, and then just never really left the Bay Area a couple times here and there. But that's where I'm from. I have a wife and three kids. On the how I spend my time side, I have a small internet e-commerce business called bigchill.com. I do some writing, some financial blogging and other relevant blogging at upwarding.com. I spend time with my family and then I do a bunch of nonprofit activities depending on what the calling is at that time. So that's a brief summary. My, my home life is pretty standard, but my work life can be pretty chaotic and I love every minute of it. So when it comes to our money, everybody wants more and most people don't have a strategy, I think is probably the best way of putting it. Um, So help us out. What is a, effective means to be able to really start controlling our finances instead of having them control us? Absolutely. And I, Steve, I think you're asking the right question. Look, I think the best way to talk about this is to talk about the reality of, of what it's like to deal with saving and the theory, because really the problems we all get into are the differences between what we should do and what our emotions actually tell us to do. So I think point number one and something I've just been interested in for years, I worked on Wall Street for several years at Goldman Sachs, I worked at a hedge fund. And the thing I learned is that you have a bunch of these theoretical people who can come up with all these models for how you invest money. But you know, as you know, Steve, right now we're in the middle of a market meltdown related to the coronavirus. And you know, I think all those plans get thrown out the window and I've seen it again and again I was on Wall Street in the year 2000 when the market crashed. I was heavily investing in 2008 when that market crashed. And now we're here on a third one. And these tend to happen every decade. And I think what I've seen is so many people who've been so careful just throw all their plans out the window and have disastrous results, even though they did what was, quotes, theoretically optimal. So what I've always been focused on is trying to explain things in a way that makes sense to people and helping them avoid these behavioral patterns that are deeply ingrained in us for good reasons and and hopefully using those not to their disadvantage to their advantage so specifically there are a few things i like talking about one is i think we all need to think about our money once we have savings and once we've done you know the right things in terms of paying down debts and i know that stuff you've covered on your show before and i obviously have no disagreement that you know paying off high interest debt and things like that are just absolutely critical before we get started. But once you've kind of come across that fold and you're starting to think about how to allocate your money, I think the best way to think about it is your money really has three big jobs. Okay. Job number one is just your day-to-day expenses, right? That money is just sitting there to pay your monthly utility bills and pay your rent and your groceries and your car payments. And that's a reasonably known amount of money. Um, And so you should just have a checking account for that. 
The second group, which a lot of us know a lot about, it's sometimes called the third group because it's the long-term thing, is retirement savings. And there are a ton of plans and strategies around retirement savings, you know, 401ks, and if we're self-employed, there are things we can do with SEP IRAs and a bunch of other things. And, you know, this is well-researched and well-discussed on the internet. So the job of that is to provide for your long-term retirement planning. And it's a very well thought through and people have really good programs for that. Where we see people make mistakes, and I'm talking about my co-author, Shannon Matisse and I, and this is really where we came up with this, is this middle group, okay? There's this middle group, which is really money that you might need in the next few years, but it's more than you really need to cover your bills you don't want to risk it in the stock market or have, you know, a chance of a crash. And what we need to do with that bucket has changed dramatically over the last just five to seven years. So if it were seven years ago, everyone was just putting it in high yield savings accounts. But what's happened is through a bunch of evolutions in the financial markets, there are in fact better ways to deploy that money. So the job of that, we often call it an emergency fund or an opportunity fund. And that's the topic of how to stash that cash, that really big middle chunk, um, how to think about how much to have in that chunk, why, how not to overdo it or underdo it, how to come up with an amount for that chunk, and then really deal with that chunk in the appropriate way. Did I lose you, Steve? Sorry, it always helps to not leave the mute button on when you're talking. <laughs> oh, <that's okay. laughs> things we do to try to have nice, good, clean recordings that just aren't. Um, no. Anyway, <laughs> I was saying um, there is a ton of stuff in the book. And, um, you know, people need to buy the book in order to get all of it. But let's, uh, let's hone it on a little bit. So sure. my unfair question of the day. Uh, today, what is your favorite part of the book? Sure. Look, I think my favorite part of the book is that we've really walked people through how to think about this. So I can explain this portfolio, and I'm happy to do it to anybody in this podcast in 30 seconds, and it will make sense to them, maybe a minute. Okay. But what we've done with the book is we really had a specific goal. This book isn't about me making a huge profit. I have other things I do for money. This is about a message we needed to get out. And the most important thing is that people read the book and they feel confident. And the reason why that's so important is, look, we just went through another huge market downturn. And the people who've read this book and have been investing this way and putting their emergency fund to work this way, they feel great right now. The people who maybe mixed up the different jobs, they don't feel great. Um, so what is my favorite part of the book? I would just say the overall tone being one of, we wanna make you feel really confident in good times and bad. And I'm getting a, a lot of, pretty much everyone who reads it says, I really get this now, this makes sense to me. Um, if you want me to just summarize what the, what the ultimate liquidity portfolio is, the book is yes, called please. How to Stash That Cash. Look, I'll summarize it for you. It's 88% intermediate term bonds and 12% the total U.S. stock market index, which is a strategy that is only available to us now that ETFs, and I don't know how much your audience may or may not know about ETFs, but essentially now we have very, very cheap ways of owning massive numbers of companies in very small pieces. So you can invest $120 and have a little piece of pretty much every public company in America. 
And so that kind of diversification has a lot of benefits. And, you know, a lot of people say to me, hey, look, you know, aren't stocks risky? And the really cool thing about this book is we walk through why, in fact, having a small allocation to stocks is less risky than not having one. So we've done a lot of comparisons showing the difference between how bonds return. And we're just talking U.S. Treasury bonds. They pay you coupon every every month or every quarter. And the difference between a 100% portfolio of that, which everyone would say feels totally safe, and one that's 88% that and 12% stocks, and on every possible metric we can find, whether it's the risk of losing money, the, the upside, how much return it gets, how volatile it is, the ultimate liquidity portfolio performs better. So that's something that I think is a really cool insight and maybe a little counterintuitive for people. But 88% intermediate term bonds, 12% stocks. And we talk exactly about how to do that. It's a, DIY, it's a DIY portfolio. You don't need a financial advisor. Although I always tell people it's great to have a financial advisor, mostly because they can help you improve your behavior when things are going awry. Oh, and that's important too, especially with as crazy as things have been lately. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen people win and lose their shirt in yes. a day these yes. last few weeks. <laughs> Yeah. And there's some crazy statistics on that, Steve, you know, the, and we ran some analysis cause we wanted to show, you know, one of the benefits of the ultimate liquidity portfolios, how it does in these times of stress. And it had another great period. It's actually up this year. Um, but we went back and we said, Hey, look, how volatile are things usually? Okay. And just to give you ballpark numbers, and I have a little bit of this in my blog and newsletter, but Ballpark numbers, let's say stocks move on average, you know, 60 basis points a day. That means 0.6% per day, right? In kind of a bad day, right? A bad move might be 1% or 1.2% in a day. In the month of March, stocks moved on average 5% per day. So they were four times worse than a usual bad day. It was so volatile that Thing, things were happening in the stock market that have never happened before. Like there were volatility indexes that went up a thousand percent in 30 days, right? So it was so crazy. And what's interesting is we've been under greater financial stress as a country before, but we've never had so much uncertainty. And so what the stock market was telling us was we really don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if 50,000 people are going to die or 2 million people are going to die. And so you saw that being expressed every day with just this massive emotional turmoil. And people really felt that, you know, people were checking stocks every day and freaking out. And that's exactly why we have this portfolio because, you know, we all, we all want to buy low and sell high, right? But it turns out that we are instinctively built just as human beings. Let's say you were going to try to find, you know, berries. You're going to go back to where you find berries, okay, every day. And unfortunately, that exact logic that, you know, going back to the things that are working is the opposite of how the logic should be in the financial markets. And that's why so many people have problems is, yes, we should buy things when they're cheap and sell them when they're expensive, but they're cheap when everybody's panicking and they're expensive when everyone feels good and had a good year last year. So that's the kind of behavior we're trying to work against a little bit, that kind of instinct. Absolutely. So help the listeners out a little bit. Um, some of this is going to be, you know, after they read the whole book, they need to have a long conversation with you. But 
give us one thing that we could, I mean, other than buy your book, that sure. we could take action on right now that would help us out. Sure. I think the most important thing, and I'm going to assume that people have at least some investments, okay? The most important thing, and this is actually just a general lesson I have, the most important thing is to learn from this experience. I think, you know, we, we all want to, there's a great expression which says, you know, investment is like soap. The more you touch it, you know, the, the faster you wear it down. And so I think when an event like March happens, you know, in the kind of mar market we're in right now where it's so volatile, people really want to, quote, do something, okay? And I think that's actually the biggest risk. So what I would tell people to do is use this as an opportunity to learn and to revisit your strategy, revisit how much money you should have in an emergency fund, how much you want for retirement, et cetera. And I really, you know, the idea that as you touch it, it wears down, you know, we all sort of pay too much attention to these daily fluctuations. The fact is long-term, you know, we've been through world wars, great depressions that, you know, Spanish flu, you know, much bigger events than we're going through right now, as crazy as they seem. And pretty much the right answer has always been leave it and learn. And what learning means to me is actually journaling about how you're feeling, you know, journaling about what you might do next time. Um, how can you learn from this experience? How do your goals change? You know, does this change what your priorities are? So uh, without even acting, I think it's more not about doing, but about really reflecting into how you want to be and, and kind of these longer term targets and questions that you then adjust to. Specifically, if you're actually in the ULP, in a time like this, there is a trigger that says rebalance. And so what rebalance would have done is on March 23rd, when stocks were at their lowest, technically, there may have been a rebalancing event where you would have allocated more money to stocks and less money to bonds. Um, that's a pretty advanced strategy that we talk about in the book. If you'd done that, you would have increased your return. I almost think it's not worth it because I just think leaving things alone is one of the hardest things to do. And you got to just kind of ride the wave and know what, what is the job of this portfolio? What's it there for? And if it's doing its job, you know, worrying about the day-to-day -day fluctuations, I think can be really, really challenging. Mm, that's good stuff. So Chris, somebody who wants to go deeper with you than what the book will take them, how can a person get in contact with you and work with you? Sure. So look, to be frank, you know, I am so loaded up with stuff that it's hard for me to respond directly to all inquiries. Um, what I recommend people do, and the most popular thing that I do, isn't this book, it's actually my weekly newsletter. And that is on upwarding.com, U-P-W-A-R-D-I-N-G.com. Obviously, you can also send messages to me through howtostashthatcash.com. When I get messages, I read all of them. I don't necessarily respond personally to all of them, but every message does get read. And what I can often do is point you in the right direction. I may not be the answer to your problem, but I have a huge network of people that I know that can really deal with almost any problem under the sun. And, um, and I'm happy to point you in the right direction that way. The book is called How to Stash That Cash, The Ultimate Liquidity Portfolio by Christopher Kawaja and Shannon Matheson. Yep. Yeah. And I really do hope that you will go over to Amazon and grab a copy in Kindle or paperback form um, and get it today. Chris, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the show today. Steve, thanks. I hope I can help your listeners out. Have a great one. 
Wouldn't you love to have that best-selling book? Wouldn't you love the opportunity to be able to stash some cash of your own? I know you would. I do hope you go out to Amazon, you grab that book, you take notes, you learn from it, and you really, truly take yourself financially to the next level. Here comes our next commercial break, and then we'll be back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to WeHelp youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back in the last segment we were talking about learning to stash that cash and and chris's book really helps empower you learn liquidity strategies and ways to deal with and have better money management and those kind of things. Now we're going to talk about how to empower a little boy. Such an amazing story coming up. And I really want you to think about the ways that you can make a difference in the young gentlemen that are in your life. As we jump into this next bestseller, we talk with the author and we learn some really good strategies in this part of life as well. A fun, uh, just an amazing book that I just am so excited to bring to you. The Adventures of Kemet, Croc, and His Cape, written by international best-selling author Adrian Moore. Adrian, thanks so much for being with us here today. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to write this book. Okay, I'm a native of Louisiana by way of Western Massachusetts. So I lived there for a, a time growing up and completing my um, undergrad degree. But um, I'm really a native from Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, I basically am an educator. I work in higher ed. I earned my PhD in urban higher education. And what made me write this book um, basically, I recently had another baby, a big, a big gap between my kids. And so um, I was looking for a name that started with the K, with the K because all of my grandkids, all of their names start with the K. And so I was looking for something that was meaningful. Um, so I came across, I was listening to, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I was listening to a new CD by Nas, the rapper Nas. And 
and he was talking about Kemet and he gave the background on Kemet and Kemet is the original name for Egypt. And I was like, that's my baby's name. That name is Royal, is Regal. Um, he's this baby is not he's this is this is his name I, I i was just like this is his name and so um during the pregnancy it was a hard pregnancy um i was high risk with my age as well as some other um complications that i had and i was in the hospital for two months and i was like oh my god this baby is really really holding on i was like he's strong and i was just like this pregnancy is just like everything because i was in the hospital for two months and away from my family and and so i was like this baby this name kim it it, it stands for something it, it means everything when i decided to give him this name and I, that was when i was like seven weeks i was like it, it it just showed the strength in him then and thinking of egypt and how all these years and decades um, Egypt is still there and how strong this baby was. And I was like, I chose the perfect name. And I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book about this child. I'm going to give it an adventure so it can tell what his name means. And so that's where I came up with um, the book, The Adventures of Kemet Croc, uh, The Adventures of Kemet Croc and His Cape. I just, he took some pictures when he was one and he was posing and he had his crown on showing that he was one, he was a year and he had his cape on and he was just doing all these things. And I was like, this kid is amazing. So I was just like, I'm gonna go ahead and write this book. And I just sat down and I did the research on um, Egypt and I, and he had a crocodile that he played with a lot and you know, crocodiles are, common in in louisiana as well so i was like okay i'm gonna have his his sidekick um be a crocodile and it was just from there it was just ongoing finding santana my classmate um and having him be the illustrator for the book and it just it was on upward and onward from there it's so beautifully illustrated and such a powerful yeah. story and oh my gosh i mean we didn't plan it no, what we did perfect it. time for the book to come out. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, with everything going on, um, being home, I'm actually home with him every day and being able to be home with his second oldest brother and with the, the virus going around COVID and then what hit the nation with, um, with Brianna Taylor, as well as, um, Floyd, it was like everything. It was like we needed, there needed to be something that brings joy, upliftment, as well as tell a story so we can get that pride. Um, Black people can have that pride again. I mean, despite all the things that we've been through as a people, we still have something to stand for and still have something to be proud of. And the pride comes with our children. And I was like, we have to give them that pride so they can have that strength and that self-esteem so they can go on and build monuments and build, you know, build all these, have these amazing visions and, and give them empowerment. And I was just like, I hope that I can empower other kids. Like I empower Kimmy and I empower him, his brothers. And so I was just like, it's, you're right. This is the time for these types of books. And for any race, I mean, my friends in Massachusetts, they love it. Their kids are like sending me pictures reading the book. So yes, 
this is the right time for this book, for this. This is the right time. I was curious, in fact, you, you brought up um, your friends reading it to their kids. Um, I know you've gotten a copy of the book. Um, have you read it to Kemet? And what was it like for him the first time you read him the book? It's amazing that you asked that. When I received the book, I guess maybe because he saw us putting the book together, he would always see me on the computer with you and with Santana, and he would see the pictures. As soon as I opened the book up, Steve, Kemet walks around with this book all day long. He knows, he picks this book up, and Kemet is, he's only 18 months. He loves this book. He walks around, and I do not, and I'm not just saying this. He knows this is his book. <laughs> He literally knows this is his book. He picks this, he looks at it, he loves the pictures. When we read it, he he knows it's him and he knows this is this is his book. Cause he have a lot of books around at the house, but he he goes, this is his go-to book all the time. He picks it up and he carries it around. He can we have two copies. He carries the books book around the house all the time. I love that. Um, I'm also glad that we went with the glossy cover because the matte cover would be totally destroyed already. <laughs> yes, yes, the glossy, that was a great touch. I'm glad that you did decide on that because, you know, I was, this is all new to me and I'm so glad that you guys held my hand and you, because, you know, I'll send, we send emails to you and you're right on it and I love that about you guys. I mean, it has been such a great experience, especially because this is my first book. Um, and you, you made some help me to make the right, right decisions on putting this book out and how it should look. And it looks amazing. Everyone loves the pictures. They love the, the colors. I mean, we did this. <laughs> we did this. I am so happy and pleased with the work that was put into this. No, no regrets. Now, people need to get this book, but for a person to try to be able to visualize it, um, and this is totally an unfair question, but what's <laughs> your favorite part of the book? My favorite part of the book is when Kimid actually, when their um, croc is explaining to him the original name for Egypt. And he's explaining to him where his name comes from. And it's a page in the book. When you open it up, it has a pharaoh and it has a queen. It has the queen on the left and the pharaoh on the right. And that, and with the pyramids in the center, that is the most beautiful picture to me. I, that, that's one of my favorite. That's my favorite. That's my favorite part of the book. Telling him what his name means that that that's epic to me and it's beautifully illustrated what's your favorite part what's your favorite picture of the book? I, I actually loved it uh towards the end of the book where you know he's come back from egypt um you know and his older brothers i could just totally oh. see this you know uh, because i'm a little brother you know and my brothers oh. are seven and five and a half years older than me so I don't, I don't even know exactly what the gap is, but I, I know the feeling, you know? Yes, um, yes. And I love how his, yeah. <laughs> I just love that because his older brother's like, you need to go to bed. And he's like, I yes. need to go to bed. I'm strong and powerful and I'm a king. Yes. I just love that. Yes. I, and I love that line too, because I, I feel like every kid should have an imagination and that was the purpose of the book um i think we're so we do so much with technology where we don't give the kids a chance to 
have that imagination or have an imaginary friends or we don't imagine like we used to and I was like this is some a time for kids to get have that part have that that experience in life again. Imagine, imagine you were in Egypt. Let's and, and when Croc takes him on that trip, you're right. When his brothers come back and they bring him back and he tells them, Hey, I did see that, you know. <laughs> I'm I I'm the king in me. I'm Kimmet. So I just I I just love it. And I when I see those words, I'm like, did I actually write this? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> you did. Oh yeah, you did. It's such an amazing book. I hope that you will do just tons more. We want to know every day of Kimmet's life. <laughs> oh wow, I plan on it. I have already, we have to get with you, me and Santana, I have already written the second, uh, the second adventure. My family, since they've seen this, because I didn't tell anyone that I wrote this book. I was waiting to surprise everyone. Only person knew was Kimmet's dad and my um my sons and so when my family saw this book now everybody want to give me ideas like you need to do this you need to do that and I'm just like okay y'all hold up <laughs> hold up I'm gonna I'm, let me but it's going to be great you're gonna get everyone will have the chance to meet the rest of my family it's so many he has a lot of cousins and so it, I want to do one with the family. It's just so many adventures and tales. And, and we, we, we live in a beautiful country. America has so many great wonders, as well as wonders all over. Stories that, that, we can, that I can tell and bring to light and, and, you know, and take this adventure with the kids, as well as them learning at the same time. And that's my purpose. I want them to have fun, but I also want them to have some really great takeaways, some real gain, some real knowledge at the same time. Well, I got to tell all the listeners, if you don't have this book yet, or even if you do have a copy of it, get a second one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Adventures of Kemet, that's with a K, K-E-M-E-T, Kemet Croc and His Cape, written by Adrian Moore. Adrian, I thank you so much for this book, and thanks for spending some time with us on the show here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. I really do hope that your child will get this book, that they will see themselves in it or their own particular background, whatever that might be from, that they will begin to really walk around the house and see themselves as the kingly roots, the kingly heritage that is part of theirs. It's so important that we begin to spark the imagination in those precious little souls to also help them see not only how to imagine themselves as something greater, but to really know that they are something greater and put them early on in life on the path to living as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. 
that message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. So far, we've empowered you with new money plans. We've empowered you with ways to be able to empower those most precious of souls that are in our care or are in our world to be able to see the kingliness inside of them. Now, we want to give you a strategy for the ability to be able to increase your financial portfolio through real estate. I know a lot of people are looking at real estate these days. It is such a great possibility. And here's another amazing gentleman that is going to be able to help you really see how to be able to make some good money with real estate. Hope you have a pen and paper. Get ready to listen in because here we go. Join me in welcoming Zachary Beach. Hey, Zachary, how are you doing today? Steve, I'm doing excellent. Uh, despite everything that's happening right now, uh, life's good. You know, we're actually right now sitting, looking at the water uh, down here in Southern Rhode Island. So uh, happy, healthy, doing good. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Um, so are you watching lake or ocean water? I actually live right on, it's called the Sakonet River, which leads into um, the ocean. So uh, nice. I, I guess it's a river, but I'll consider it the ocean. Okay, awesome, great. That sounds wonderful. It sounds beautiful today. So tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what's got you to this point in your life. Yeah, um, so primarily by day, I'm a real estate investor and a real estate coach. Um, Kind of my trip started when I was a, a bartender down here in Newport, Rhode Island, Newport, Rhode Island, because uh, I came out of college and I literally had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, didn't really have uh, too much of direction, so I started bartending. Uh, it was a heck of a lot of fun, but also got worn out pretty quickly because uh, I bartended and personal trained uh, up until I was about 25. So I was. You know, slinging drinks at night, and I was uh, training people early in the morning. Uh, eventually, I got burnt out, so I actually reached out to a family member of mine, uh, my father-in-law, and he had a real estate investment company, and I reached out to him and said, hey, I don't know if I'm going to like real estate, but uh, I think it's a heck of a lot better than what I'm doing right now. So I dove into that at about 25 years old, and you know, uh, fast forward uh, four years later, um, we got a great real estate portfolio. And uh, we work with now a lot of people that are coming out of corporations and are looking to get into uh, entrepreneurship. And they see real estate investing as a way to build a business and to create that financial and time freedom. So um, we've talked with a lot of realtors lately, real estate investors rather, um, lately, and there are just so many nuances. It's it's interesting to me how many different ways of approaching it. Is there a particular genre in the real estate investing industry that you really, it's just the best for you? 
<laughs> yeah, so the niche that we primarily focus on, uh, my family team and I, and that is buying and selling on terms. Uh, and what that really means in a nutshell is that you're able to buy and sell property without using your own cash, credit, or going to banks. Uh, you actually do all of your, your transactions directly with the homeowner. And that way you're able to leverage the property without putting down any cash or credit or signing personally with a bank. Um, so a really cool niche. If you're involved in, uh, in having your own other business to get involved with, because you can actually use these methods in order to either buy a commercial property for yourself, which we did, um, cause we didn't want to go and get a bank loan and we actually bought it a specific way. And one of our techniques, from a, um, a seller who's actually uh, real estate friendly as well, meaning he's, he spent some time in real estate. So bought our property commercially that way. And also if you're self, self-employed, really great technique in order to buy your own home. Uh, Cause I actually bought my own property because I'm self-employed and needed roughly 24 months of seasoning in order to qualify for a loan. I actually bought my house um, that I was originally talking to you about the beginning of this conversation over, over here on the water in, uh, in Rhode Island uh, by utilizing these techniques. That is so fascinating to me because, you know, I know for myself and probably most people, when we start thinking about real estate investing, the first roadblock that we run into is, you know, I don't have great credit or I don't have any money to put down. So um, how... How does a person who has been making those excuses, how do they dip their toe into it? And I mean, of course, other than walk, working with you, give us some tips of ways that you can start understanding that there really are different opportunities out there. Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to our niche, it's just really understanding how to work directly with uh, a seller and not going the traditional route uh, and really understanding our techniques. Um, so we just kind of take one of the one of the four techniques that we use. For example, we buy property on what we call a lease purchase, uh, and a lease purchase is the best way to describe or the easiest way for someone to understand it is relatively like Uber. So when you buy property on a lease purchase, you control the residence, but you don't actually own it. You don't hold title, um, which allows you to, from an investment standpoint, be able to sell the property although you didn't close on or pay closing costs, uh, be able to sell the property to a third party who you get paid from. Uh, and that third party party typically is somebody who needs a rent to own program. Uh, rent to own is probably uh, a more known term uh, for, you know, most people that aren't involved in real estate uh, and rent to own simply means that that buyer is just outside of financeability and, and they need some time. Um, so utilizing our contracts and our technique of, say, buying on a lease purchase, you're able to create multiple paydays uh, by selling the property to a third party that just needs time or selling it on your rent-to-own program. So it's just the first steps in order to get involved in this is understand the technique. And then number two, just being able to uh, work with a seller. And then the third is always when it comes to real estate is just understanding the contracts. Um, which after you kind of spend a little time with a pretty self-explanatory. So a lot of people are afraid, let's just be honest, <laughs> to put themselves out 
in that kind of, uh, you know, to be exposed to that much. What, what are some things that you could tell us that would help us be a little more comfortable, um, you know, with taking that big of a leap and signing on for that large of a commitment? Well, we're actually taking away by utilizing our techniques, we're actually taking away that, that fear factor because uh, if you're buying a property on a lease purchase, you are actually leveraging the original seller's asset. So you're using that house in order to create wealth for yourself without signing personally, because I would never have you sign personally. You would sign with an LLC, which takes away the personal guarantee. It's actually just your LLC. So that can definitely alleviate a lot of fear um, associated with that. And then in say 99% of the deals that we've completed, we put little to no money down on the house. So that alleviates that fear. Um, and typically our deals are long terms, meaning like as far as the end date in the future when you have to get cashed out uh, or pay off the seller. So you're gonna typically go through, you know, say three to five to 10 years. And if you're talking 10 years, you're talking about a whole real estate cycle so you're actually getting some huge upside with little downside because you're buying yourself some long term. So uh, by creating longer terms, not signing personally and putting little to no money down on an investment, uh, I would say that there's probably, there's not much that you can really be afraid of. Anyway, make me want to go to, uh, you know, insert whichever site to search for houses for sale right now. <laughs> and find a house and then say, okay, help me get this house, Zachary. Is it, is it really that easy or do, are there certain things that you should keep in mind when, you know, when you start searching for places? Yeah. I mean, of course it's, it's not, it's not easy. Uh, it's simple, but it's not always easy. I think that's the best way to describe it. Once you, once you understand how to speak with the sellers by utilizing certain scripts and uh, having some experience with speaking with, uh, with sellers. Let's say you're out there and you don't have any experience. Uh, that's okay. Uh, I had zero experience in real estate five years ago. Uh, uh, majority of what we call our associates or people that uh, we teach how to create this business and how to do deals this way have zero experience. Uh, it just takes a little time. So I would say that, you know, it's not always going to be easy at first, but as you continue to get used to it, I'm sure, Steve, when you first started writing books or helping people produce uh, best-selling books, uh, that it wasn't easy. But over time, you developed systems and processes around it. Uh, and we did the exact same thing. That way, if somebody's brand new comes and steps into, into this real estate uh, niche, that they're able to be light years ahead of when we first started. Um, but once, once you be to, to take the time and effort and you, you put it into it, then it's, there's just some, there's probably small nuances that you're going to look out for. I can tell you that most sellers that we buy from uh, want a traditional sale. So there's always that to get around. Uh, I'd say 99% of the buyer, 99% uh, of the sellers we buy from want a traditional sale uh, because if they can get all their cash today, They'd be crazy not to take, especially if they can get their price. Uh, so we actually offer some alternative options that will get sellers more money. Uh, they just have to be in a position where they can wait for their equity on the property. So 
it's just those little things about communicating with the seller that eventually um, you'll come across the right seller on which you can actually supply the right solution to their challenge. And once you're able to supply the right solution to somebody's challenge, then you'll have yourself a deal. So what are the things that we can do? I mean, because obviously the person needs to contact you um, and we're going to give that information here in just a minute, but uh, what are the things that a person should do to prepare themselves to be in the best place to have a call with you and dive deeper into this with you guys? Yeah, we can, um, well, we do this. I'd be happy to give anyone in the, anyone in the audience a free, what we call a strategy call. Um, the easiest way to do that is if, just if you go to smartrealestatecoach.com slash action. It's just a quick little uh, survey or six steps, six simple steps. And then once you complete the six simple steps, uh, it just gives us some additional information where we can have a, a really good 15 to half an hour call with you uh, to help you set your goals. And if your goal could be, hey, I'm just looking to utilize this technique to buy my building because now I have a, a brand new business. Or it could be, hey, I, I'd like to build a uh, uh, business on the side to complement my my current job right or my current uh, um, business that I'm building because the truth is I mean it's I think it's like 90% of uh, wealthy people are billionaires in the United States have built their wealth through real estate so no matter what business or that you're in real estate's always a fantastic offshoot or another great place to build wealth um, and we'd certainly be able to you know, give you some key pointers and make sure you get some, some great things to walk away with. So that's just smartrealestatecoach.com slash action. Again, it's just six simple steps. Take you five minutes and then you get to book a, a free strategy call with either myself or my father-in-law, Chris, uh, to see if we to see if and how we could help you. I really appreciate it, Zachary. Thank you so much for all the stuff you guys do. It's a really cool system. Um, and I appreciate it having you here on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks, Steve. So what is your financial strategy? What is your plan for building that wealth that is yours? I want to have you think about something for just a second. Um, I remember way back when they did this with Bill Gates's money versus the amount of money that Michael Jordan has. And they talked about the fact that all the money Michael Jordan had ever made in his whole life equaled pretty much what Bill Gates made in interest on the first day of January for the year. Um, and a lot of times it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that level of financial freedom. But I want to blow your mind for just a minute. I want you to think about what it would be like if you had a billion dollars in the bank. What would it be like if you had 10 billion? What would it be like if you had $100 billion in the bank? If you were at Jeff Bezos' level of money, what would you do in life? You see, here's the thing about it is, in interest alone, you would make something like, and I'd have to do the math for you again, but it's somewhere around the lines of about $27,000 an hour. Yeah, that's right, $27,000 an hour that you would be making off of the interest of $100 billion. 
okay? And that's pretty mind-blowing. You know, you think of the new car that you want to get and the fact that you could do it off of an hour worth of interest or off of two hours worth of interest or maybe you want a really amazing car and it would take you four hours of interest to come up with, you know, uh, the low-end Lamborghini. I mean, I suppose you could have to go to a whole day worth of interest if you start looking at some of the really high-end cars. But, um, and that's not me encouraging you to frivolously spend your money, but just simply to stretch your mind, to have thoughts. I want you to go back through all of the authors that we've talked with today, and I want you to think, number one, what is the thing that I need to do in my life to stretch me? To see the king inside of me and embrace it and live in it. Number two, what is the strategy that I have for really truly having liquid capital and having the ability to live abundantly in the world? And then number three, what is the investment strategy, the um, you know real estate or whatever else it might be program that I'm going to do along with whatever else of good you're doing in the world that I'm gonna do to advance myself. I hope that you have those things because here's the thing. You are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. The world does need you. And you do have a story, a book, a message, a signature talk, a TED talk. You have something that needs to get shared out into the world. You really, really do. And I hope that you will step out boldly. You'll begin to look at possibilities of what can I do in life? What are the things that I should be doing in life? What are the things that I can do right here, right now, in this life, to make the world a better place? When we focus on making our world a better place, guess what? It always makes us better people and allows us to live as a thriving entrepreneur in anything and everything that we do. And that's all I want for you is absolutely everything in the world, the totally, absolutely, completely best for you. I hope that until next time that we're together, that things go positively amazing for you, that you share that thing that you do so well into the world, and that you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. 
Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.